Today we're going to talk about uh, three words that are vital to the Christian life. 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll look at verse 13, and we'll read this together. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and verse 13, the Word of God says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for this verse that brings our attention to these three preeminent graces. And I pray that you'd give us understanding in them today. Help us to be grateful for their operation in our lives and to learn how these things can enrich our lives and make our lives better as we allow you to work in our lives. So we pray you'd bless the the message. Give us ears to hear and hearts that are open. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Uh, we live in an ever-changing world. Uh, fads, philosophies, people, and things, they all come and go, don't they? Uh, you can think about some of the fads that have gone. I'm glad bell-bottoms didn't stay. Uh, polyester suits, you know. Uh, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of bad fads. Uh, spandex in the 80s, uh, that was a bad idea, just a bad idea. Uh, there's all kinds of fads that have come and gone. Things come and go. You know, you can have a nice car today, and five years from now it's not so nice. Or one accident happens, and it's not so nice anymore. Uh, people come and go in our lives. Uh, friends, family, acquaintances. But these three graces that are mentioned here today, they remain. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. These three things are the very essence of the Christian life. And today I want to talk about what these three uh, concepts are, what these three truths mean, and then we'll talk about how they can improve our lives today. Uh, This... Bible verse is captivating to me. When you understand the context, the Apostle Paul here, of course being moved by the Holy Ghost, had written a scathing letter letter to the Corinthian church. They were involved in all kinds of sin. I mean, sin that you don't even want to mention in in polite company. Uh, Everything from immorality uh, to gluttony, drunkenness, false doctrine, just the whole church was an absolute mess, just problem after problem after problem that needed fixed. But not only were they excusing appalling sin, but they were also fighting over spiritual gifts. So now they were allowing sin, not just in their lives, but openly in the church and being accepted, thinking that they were more spiritual for accepting sin, Which, by the way, accepting sin is not spiritual. It's carnal. God deals with sin. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. Amen? Uh, God has to judge sin. Uh, So they had all this sin over here, and yet on the spiritual side, their spiritual lives were characterized by pride and arrogance and competition. Which spiritual gift was better? Well, I can speak in tongues, and well, I can preach, well, I have the gift of healing, well, I can do this, well, I can do that. Misdefining the gifts, misappropriating the gifts, 
So on one side, they had appalling sin. On the other side, they were fighting over spiritual gifts. And to cut through all of that noise, God draws their attention to these three, faith, hope, and love. God is saying, stop focusing on your sin. Stop fighting over which spiritual gift is better and focus on faith, hope, and love. These three, these three are what you should strive for. These three are what you should emulate. These three are what you should practice. And God exalted faith, hope, and love as the trinity of Christian graces that rise above all the other. And then he said, these three abide. When all else fails, these things will remain. Faith may waver. Hope may hang its head. Love may wax cold, but they can never be lost. Faith, hope, and love are given us at the new birth, and they hold our hand all the way through death. Truly, they abide. The verse goes on to say, but the greatest of these is charity. This isn't a message just on charity or love, God's love. But it's worth mentioning that God says the greatest of these is love. I believe that's because without love, nothing else matters. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, go ahead and read it with me. You follow along as I read, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. It's an irritating noise. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me what? Nothing. Nothing. See, love is the greatest because without love, nothing else matters. Love is the foundation of everything else God teaches us. And on love hangs all the law and the prophets, Matthew 22 tells us. Because it's love for God and love for our neighbor that is the essence of every other commandment in the Bible. Ten commandments, all of them point to either love for God or could be categorized as love for our neighbor. Over 600 commandments in the Old Testament, all of them can be categorized under love for God or love for your neighbor. Jesus said, I'm going to distill down everything I've ever taught you. Everything God has ever taught you can be encapsulated in these two truths. Love God and love your neighbor. Faith, hope, and love, these three. The greatest of these is love. Now, some would say that love is the greatest because it lives on in heaven. And reading commentaries and such and As you do your research, some people propose that there is no faith in heaven. There is no hope in heaven because faith and hope has ended. And I want to give you a small but very important distinction. I don't believe that faith and hope are ended in heaven. I believe they are fulfilled. Just like Jesus didn't come to end the Old Testament law, he came to fulfill the law. And in heaven, our hope is not ended, it's fulfilled. Our faith is not ended, 
We have the fruition of it. And in heaven, faith, hope, and love still reign supreme. Would you take a moment and just think about heaven for a moment? What a wonderful place heaven's going to be. In all the chaos of this world today, have you taken any time to think about heaven this week? There's no elections in heaven. There's no politics in heaven. There's no taxes. There's no viruses. Brother Ken's getting stuff off his chest. There's no DMV. Yeah, no post office. No sin. No sorrow. No suffering. There's no need to exercise faith because it has become sight. In heaven, our highest hopes are satisfied, and the object of our faith will stand before us. We shall see him, and we'll be like him. And we will dwell and abide in the perfect love of God forever. I couldn't help but think of the song, What a Day That Will Be. Think of these words, There is coming a day when no heartaches shall come, no more clouds in the sky. No more tears dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. Sing the chorus with me if you know it. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. It goes on to say there'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day. That will be. Folks, sometimes when life gets heavy, you just got to stop and look forward. You got to take a moment, look beyond all this mess and see the hope of our calling, the glorious destination of the children of God. And one of these days we're going to leave behind this old world and we're going to step on those celestial shores and all the pain and problems and burdens of this life will disappear forever, fading into the glory of God as we serve Him and worship Him forever. I like that. Are you going to heaven? Has there been a time in your life when you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? I mean, friend, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you're not going to make it there. You've got a far different destination. Terrible destination of torment and fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. But only if you'll trust Christ Heaven can be your home. Amen. Faith, hope, and love. This is the triad of graces that embody the entire Christian experience. The Christian life begins with them and ends with them. They provided the way of salvation and they paved the path of redemption. After salvation, God expects us to develop them, to reach their potential, to exhibit their beauty as He conforms us to the image of Christ. If someone looks at your life, if they look at my life, do they see faith? 
Do they see hope? Do they see love? They should. Now let's take a moment to define these important words, make sure we're all on the same page. What is faith? We've been talking a lot about faith lately. If you've been watching online, we've been doing a little mini-series on faith. And it's really encouraged my heart. It's really helped me. I hope it's been a blessing to you. But faith is the measure of our personal confidence in God. Faith is trust in who God is and reliance upon what He said in His Word without verification by sight or experience. That's such an important part. If you need to see it or you need to say, yeah, I had an experience like that somewhere in my life, that's not the kind of faith we're talking about. Faith moves God's hand, makes the unseen a reality, and gives access to the eternal. I think of Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think of Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So faith, I ask you today, what is the measure of your personal confidence in God? Your confidence in who God is and what God said. Faith. Next we have hope. What is hope? Hope is the expectation of good based on the character of God and the promises of His Word. Hope is the expectation of good. It's the anticipation of good things coming my way. Not because I'm good. Not because the world's good. Not because people are good. You know why? Because sometimes people are bad. And sometimes life stinks. And sometimes I blow it. If your hope is based on those things, it won't be long before you lose hope at all. No, my friend, our hope is based on the character of God, the nature of God. He is love. He is generous. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is righteous. He is holy. And He loves me. And He loves to give good things to His children. That's my God. It's based on the character of God, but it's also based on His Word. The hope of the Christian is as sure as the promises of God. Hope is the light that pierces through doubt, confusion, fear, and pain. Hope is born in faith, sustained by the Word, empowered by the resurrection, looks for Christ's return, and focuses on heaven. I've got all kinds of verses here that I could give you to prove those things. But let me just give you a couple verses. I think of Psalm 119.81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. I hope in thy word. See, my, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust, trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Our hope is on Christ and in His Word. And we read the Word of God and that builds our hope. You say, I suffer with depression. and Depression is a, is a real thing and it's a terrible place to live. Hope is one of those things that you never know how important it is until it's gone. But if you've ever been there, stepping on the edge of that bottomless ravine that looks like there's nothing good coming in your life and life has no more meaning and all that's before you is suffering and pain, if you have stood there, then you know how important hope is. Because hope allows you to lift your eyes from that bottomless ravine 
and see something else. It may be dark, but I know there's light. It may be bad, but I know there's good coming. Hope. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And as we said, hope is born in faith, sustained by the word, empowered by the resurrection, looks for Christ's return and focuses on heaven. What is love? Love is not a feeling. You don't fall in love and you don't fall out of love. There are actually four types of love found in the Bible. We're not going to go over those today. The type of love we're talking about is God's love, agape love. Love is the decision to affectionately and unconditionally commit yourself to the needs of another at your expense without thought of return. Who wants that kind of love, right? We all want to be loved, but do we want to love? Love is a commitment. Love is more than a feeling. It is a deep commitment to sacrifice for the benefit of the loved. God loves us and teaches us how to love one another with this love. So when we talk about faith and hope and love, what marvelous truths. No wonder God said these three abide. No wonder he lifted these up above all the spiritual gifts. He elevated these above all the sin they were struggling with and said, focus on these. And my friend, you and I in our lives, we must have faith, hope and love rise above all the other things in our lives to where this is the goal. This is how we choose to live. This is what we focus on. Faith, hope and love. Now that we have a a biblical understanding of these concepts, let me take you to a few places in scripture and I'm going to show you how these three work together and how they can improve our lives. Now there's three verses in your King James Bible where these three words are found in the same verse. There's eight portions of scripture where they are found in verses next to each other, all part of the same idea. So I'm going to take you through some of these where they are found together. Look at Romans chapter five. Hey, it's nice to preach to people. Amen. I can't get an amen out of these pews for nothing. Can't even get them to smile at me. But praise God that we can be together. Romans chapter 5. Look at verses 1 through 5 and you follow along as I read. Therefore being justified by what? Faith. We have peace with God and through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by what? Faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in what? Hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience what? Hope and hope maketh not a shame because the what? Love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. I'm just going to read you these portions of scriptures. We'll make a few comments about uh, each portion and then. We'll go to the house. So this verse talks, these verses talk about faith, hope, and love. So what do these verses tell us? They tell us we are justified by faith. We are rejoicing in hope. 
and we are resting in love. So faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ is what saves the soul. Amen? Thank both of you. Amen? You're not getting saved any other way, friend. There's only one way. And so believing that Jesus is the Son of God that died in your place to pay for your sins, was buried, and rose again, that is the remedy, the only remedy, for the eternal damnation of sinners. Now, at salvation, the Bible says we are justified, and we are justified by faith, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 tells us. Now, that word justified is a beautiful word. It is actually a legal term, and it means basically not guilty. But more than not guilty, it means that there is nothing on your record. It is just as if you never sinned at all. So this is, this is not a not guilty verdict. It is an expungement of your record. It is that there used to be offenses on your record, and now if someone were to pull up your spiritual sin record, they see nothing. They see nothing but the righteousness of Christ. That's justification. We are justified, how? Because it's under the blood. Oh, praise His dear name. I'm not what I used to be. My life's been changed. Amen? So we're justified by faith. God looks at us just as if we never sinned at all. Then we see that we're rejoicing in hope. And hope makes the heart rejoice. It's easy to get down in this world. I mean, the pressures of life, the taking care of our responsibility, the bills that come crushing on us, the the difficulties with uh, personal relationships and the craziness of politics and the uncertainty of life, it's easy to get downtrodden. It's easy to get depressed, to live under the circumstances. My friend, God didn't make us to live under the circumstances. He made us to rise above them. And it all depends on what you choose to focus on. Hope has nothing to do with your circumstance now. It has to do with what you're looking at. And if you look to God, God points you to a future that is good. And so as long as we keep our eyes on God, we will never lose hope. How can we be downtrodden when Almighty God is on our side? How can we be depressed when we know God has blessings waiting for us in spite of our current situation? God is preparing a place in heaven for us where we'll live forever for eternity. And we can rejoice today for the goodness of God and we rejoice in things to come. I wonder how many walked in here discouraged today. I get discouraged too. Do you know preachers get discouraged? You know we get worn out. I am human. Uh, I got discouraged when it got rainy recently. You ever just wake up and it's rainy out and it's a couple days of rain and it's like, what happened to the weather? I thought it was springtime. And it's just like I found myself that morning. I, Man. So what would you do? I went over to my little altar. And I got a cup of coffee. And I worshipped at the altar of the coffee gods. And it didn't work. And God rebuked me for my idolatry. But you know, God lifts up our eyes. 
I like that verse in Psalm chapter 3 where the Bible calls God the lifter up of my head. And I always picture God like a loving father putting his hand under my chin, lifting my chin up. Look at me, son. We're okay. Everything's okay. You know what? When that happens, the weather is not so important anymore. And the bank balance isn't so pressing. And we're going to be okay. See, hope makes all the difference. So we're justified by faith, we're rejoicing in hope, but then we're resting in love. What a powerful truth. Resting in love. What do we put our weight on in the shifting sands of this life? I encourage you today to put your weight on the love of God. Don't put your weight on politics. Don't don't rely on, don't rest on politics. Washington, D.C. doesn't have the answer. Uh, All the, the craziness of this life, things come and go, the sands are shifting. You could be healthy today and find out you've got stage four cancer tomorrow. I mean, everything in this life is just shifting and changing. But one thing never changes, and that's the love of God. Because underneath it all are those everlasting arms of the love of God of our loving God. And he says, I've got you. Isn't that good? Look at Galatians chapter 5. Proud of you kids for doing a good job. I know it's hard not having children's church. But boy, our young people are doing a great job. Great job sitting up straight and tall, paying attention. That's wonderful. I might have to have some of you kids sit by a few of these adults and make them behave. Get uh, Galatians chapter 5, look at verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So these verses teach us that faith saves, hope waits, and love works. Now, we know that only faith in Jesus Christ can save the sinner. And these verses, verse 5, picks it up and teaches us that uh, some people are trusting in their works to get them to heaven. Now, look at Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is debtor to do the whole law. See, some men thought because they had the spiritual right of circumcision that they were okay with God. They were a child of Abraham and that they were going to be okay. But Paul's reminding them that if you're trusting the law to get you to heaven, then you have to do the whole law, not a part of it, all of it. And then he says in verse 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now, this is very important because a lot of folks, Pentecostals and Charismatics and others will teach you that fallen from grace means that you were saved and now you're no longer saved. You fell from God's grace. That is not what these verses are teaching. These verses clearly teach that if you are trusting your good works to get you to heaven, those are the people that fall from grace. You have rejected the grace of God. Christ means nothing to you because you have said, I'm not going to trust Christ. I'm going to trust my own goodness and me keeping the law to get me to heaven. Those people don't have access to the grace of God. 
Because you can't have faith and works. You've got to choose. And if the law teaches us anything, Galatians tells us, it teaches us that you're not good enough to go to heaven on your own. The law teaches us that we need a Savior. And so it's faith in Christ that saves. And then we wait, we expect fully. That word wait means to expect fully for the hope of righteousness by faith. That's the, the, the anticipation of the end of righteousness. That's the hope of faith is heaven. And so we're trusting God now and we're anticipating the end of our salvation, glorification, or going to heaven. But these spiritual rights have no saving power. Listen, the stations of the cross won't save your soul. Confessing your sins to a priest won't save your soul. Praying to idols and saints won't save your soul. Uh, Keeping certain sacraments won't save your soul. It's only Christ and Christ alone that can save. And we also find here that faith works by love. It's a powerful idea that love works. Love is an action, not a state of being. It was the love of God that conceived salvation's plan. And it's love for God that constrains us to live for Him. It's love for our neighbor that compels us to action on their behalf. If you love, love is moving you to do something. Love works. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. So we're talking about these three preeminent graces. Ephesians chapter 4 teaches us that we have unity in faith, we're called in hope, and forbearing in love. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verses 2 through 5. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So let me just go through these quickly. We are uh, all unified by one faith. Believers are unified by one faith. Now, we live in a polytheistic world, and they really say you can believe anything as long as you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard that? They don't matter what, it doesn't matter to them what you believe as long as you don't believe in Jesus, because Jesus claims to be the exclusive way to God, the one and only way to God. He excludes every, everything else. So all true believers are united by one faith because there's only one faith that can possibly save. Next, we find all believers are called in one hope. Now, the calling of hope these verses talk about, again, is heaven. One day, all of the saints will be assembled in the presence of God. We'll sing His praises. We'll cast our crowns we've earned at His feet. We'll serve Him for eternity. No sorrow, suffering, or death. What a day that'll be. But until we get to heaven, until we get to heaven, thank you. He's moved, moved by the Scripture. Until we get to heaven, we must live together in this sin-cursed world. We are sinners sitting beside sinners, living in a house with sinners, going to work with sinners. 
We're sinners who live in a sin-cursed world. Even the best Christians still wrestle with the flesh and the sin nature. That means the best of us are going to have bad days. Have you ever had a bad day? You ever had to apologize to your wife or your husband or your kids or your parents? Sure. doesn't mean you're a bad person. doesn't mean you're even a bad Christian. It means we all fight this battle. That means we have to forbear one another in love. Forbearing is a nice way of saying we've got to put up with each other. God expects us to overlook the shortfalls, forgive the offenses, sympathize with the struggle, and humbly, patiently love each other through it all. How about this? Instead of looking at each other and condemning each other, how about looking at someone who's struggling and saying, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? We've all had bad days, haven't we? The rule of the Christian life is the old saying, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. So we see in these verses, unity and faith, called in hope for bearing in love. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're seeing how these graces can work in our lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And look at verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God the Father. So here the Thessalonians had an active faith. They were busy about the work of the Lord. Uh, And these works don't save the soul, as some would teach, but works are a proof that we are saved. The Bible says, bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. James talked about faith without works is dead. From a human standpoint, I can't see the faith in your heart. All I can see is your actions. All I can hear is your words. So if your faith is going to have an impact in my life, it must be worked out in your life. It is Christian works that make a difference in the world. But then we see that not only a work of faith, but a labor of love. Now, work is the performance of an action, But labor talks about the exertion of work and the weariness that comes with it. Labor. You know, work makes you tired. Taking care of kids is hard. Going to work and and bringing home the bacon is tough. Bearing the adult responsibilities of life is difficult. Taking care of others is a challenge. When it's hard enough, we've got our hands full taking care of ourselves. So what compels us to labor? What compares us, compels us to keep going when we're tired? When, when, when it hurts, it's love. And love for God keeps us going whenever the Christian life hurts. And love for others keeps us going when we're doing things in this life that hurt. And then lastly, in this portion, we see the patience of hope. We can wait knowing that good is coming. We can wait knowing that good is coming. If you feel like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you can bear an awful lot. It's dangerous whenever again that light's gone, you start to lose hope, and you feel like there's nothing good coming. That's when you're in real trouble. As long as you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, 
that hope begets patience and good things. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we'll stop with this one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I've got three more to give you, but I'll put this online and you can get those another time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse 8. But let us who were of the day, talking about Christians, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So these verses teach us that faith hope, and love are a protection for the head and the heart. If you think about it, the breastplate protects the heart. Now, it protects all of these organs in here, but it protects the heart. And the helmet protects the head. We can't forget that we are in a battle, folks. You're in a spiritual battle. Some of you have probably limped in here today spiritually. I mean, on the outside, you look good. But I mean, the truth is, spiritually, you might be struggling. There are probably people in this room that you haven't cracked your Bible open one time since the last time you've been to church. There may be people in here that you didn't even listen to a sermon online the whole time. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying there is a reality that some people forget you're in a spiritual battle, friend. We have an enemy that is trying to take you out. And I fear as the shepherd of this flock that there may be some people that were here before the coronavirus that won't come back because they are so damaged spiritually. And they will not repent and come back to God. Scary. Dangerous. And in battle, there's two things that you know if you can hit those, if you can shoot an arrow at those, if you can get a bullet in that spot, the battle's over. It's the heart and the head. And hunters know that too. Satan's after your heart, friend. Satan's after your mind. And God uses faith, hope, and love to protect our head and our heart. In this passage, we see that faith and love are a breastplate. And faith indicates the actions, and love signifies the motivations. Because faith moves us to action. And I ask you, if you have true faith in God, that's going to move you to the faithful works because as we talked about earlier, faith works. Faith moves. And so faith protects our heart. It protects our actions because if I keep trusting God, I don't care what I feel. I don't care what's going on around me. I'm going to trust God. That protects my heart. But wait a minute. Love protects our motivations. You know, it's possible for you to do the right thing for the wrong reason. And I encourage you, it's better to do the right thing for the wrong reason than not do the right thing. Let's get that settled. But it's a dangerous place to live if you keep doing the right thing 
for the wrong reason after God reveals it to you. And the goal of the Christian life should be to do the right thing out of a motivation of love for God and for my neighbor. And then we see the hope of salvation protects my head. There's a battle for the mind. If Satan can corrupt our minds, we lose, folks. If he can change your thinking, how many people do you and I know that they just don't think straight anymore? It's like something happened to their brain. The things that used to be so obvious, now they, they don't even get the basics of the Christian life. The, the basic fundamentals of the faith or even common sense. It's like it's gone. What happens? The mind stronghold Satan got in there and rewrote the mind. But faith in Christ secures our immediate salvation, but it also builds a hope into our brain. See, folks, I'm not living just for today. I don't make decisions based on the moment. I make decisions looking forward to what God says and looking forward to eternity. The hope of salvation protects my mind. Every decision I make must be made with the understanding and the acknowledgement of I'm going to live forever, not just today. And how many Christians, they sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the immediate. We give away good things in our future because of what we want right now. It's a terrible way to live. But the hope of salvation says, I'm going to heaven someday. I'm going to see God. I can't make this decision based on how I feel or what I want at this moment. I'm going to base my decision on the hope of my salvation. How's this going to affect eternity? Will I be happy that I did this a thousand years from now? Well, that's a whole other calculation, isn't it? And faith, hope, and love are a protection. I encourage you to do a study on these things yourself. Our text verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Faith, hope, and love are exalted as the preeminent Christian graces that rise above all others. We should seek after them. And we should practice them. And they should characterize our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come to church and to study your word. We pray that you would continue to work in our lives. Thank you for faith, hope, and love. Oh, Lord, it's so easy to get off track. So easy to get distracted. Lord, and I just pray that you would gather your sheep in this local church that you'd protect them from the world, from Satan, from their own flesh. Lord, that you'd put a hedge of protection around all of us and that we could bring you glory and that you could receive glory from our lives as we live for you. Thank you for faith, hope, and love. May we think of them often. May we strive to live to their potential as you mold us and shape us into thy own image. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing us together. In Jesus' name, amen.